Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you rise early in the morning running after Jesus to see what he has for you each day? Do you have a heart that loves Jesus and wants to spend time with him? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 20 and look at this incredible woman of God, Mary Magdalene, and see what the Lord has for us. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Today is March 29th. It's Monday. It's Easter week. And we're going to be doing a two-part teaching on John chapter 20. We're going to do the first part today, verses 1 through 9, 1 through 10, and then verses uh, 10 through 18, uh, Lord willing, on Friday, on Good Friday. It's Easter week. Jesus is risen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So uh, we're in Texas. It is Monday at around 1.30 in the afternoon. Hopefully everyone's doing well, uh, enjoying Easter week. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, John chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 today, and then we will get right into it. We're going to do a, uh, we'll do a quick introduction, and I'll talk about, you know, what we're going to learn today and, uh, and what you know, when we leave today, what we, you know, what we can, you know, what we can do with what we've learned, and then we'll just get right into the verse-by-verse verse teaching. So, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your, your mercy, your favor, and your goodness on our lives. Lord, we love you, our risen King and God and Master. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are your bride. We thank you that we are the bride of Christ, and we worship you, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the incredible living word of God, our Bible. We thank you for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the word of God. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. Commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John chapter 20. Uh, verses 1, I believe, through uh, verse 10. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth, that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw 
and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mary Magdalene is, is one, of, one of my heroes. She should be one of all of our heroes. Um, she's going to be the central figure in, in this resurrection account. Mary Magdalene is the first eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. She is the first person to see Jesus alive. And we're going to see here why that is. We're going to learn today why is it that Jesus appeared to Mary. If, if you recall, 2,000 years ago, uh, a woman's eyewitness or a woman's account of something, it was not given any credibility uh, 2,000 years ago. So the very fact that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene is significant. And think about it. If you were going to make up the resurrection of Jesus, if this story was going to be made up, if someone was just going to make this up, uh, in their own mind, and they were just going to tell a story and try to get everyone to believe it, you would, you, would, you would naturally bring in the most credible witnesses. You would bring in, you know, some, some great person of notoriety. Or you would, might even have said the great and amazing Simon Peter, the great Apostle John. But no, they are not the first people to see Jesus raised from the dead. Mary Magdalene is the first person to see Jesus raised from the dead. And we're gonna, what we're going to talk about today is why is that? Why did Jesus appear to Mary first? It had nothing to do with, uh, with the fact that she was a woman. Jesus is no respecter of persons, male or female. And we're going to get into that. Um, we're going to talk about the, uh, the, the linen. You, you heard in the reading that the linen was folded up by itself. And, you know, why is it when Jesus is raised from the dead, you know, he takes the time to, to fold his clothes and to be neat. And we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the dynamic of John and how he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. We're going to talk about the humility in John and that he doesn't even name his own name in here. He credits Peter. He talks about Mary Magdalene. but he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He doesn't even use his own name, and there's just an immense humility in that. Um, and we'll talk about why he gave himself uh, the name, the, the one that Jesus loved. So, um, you know, when we leave today, um, really our focus is going to be that we're going we're gonna to want to be more like Mary. You know, we're going to want to have a heart like Mary Magdalene. We're going you know, to want to have a devotion to Jesus like Mary Magdalene. So, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. Lord, we love you and we worship you, our only Savior and God and Master and King, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you again for your word. Uh, we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. 
Holy Spirit, again, open the word of God to us now as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When you come to the scriptures, it's, it's always a good idea to ask the Holy Spirit to open the word of God to you. Now, I don't do this every time, and I, and I probably should. You know, it's not a religious thing, but when we study the scriptures, we're looking for revelation from the scriptures. The scriptures are the word of God. And uh, you, you want the Holy Spirit, of course, who lives inside of you as a Christian believer, to, to illuminate the scriptures, uh, to give you insight into the scriptures, to give you revelation from the scriptures. And uh, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is the one that does that. So, verse 1. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. The other Gospels say that at least two other women went with her, and it says here that, that she went while it was still dark. Now, if you think about just the whole concept of being in a graveyard, being at a tomb, um, in all the, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say here is just there's actually a courage in Mary Magdalene that her love for Jesus, her incredible desire for Jesus drives her out while it's still dark to the tomb where Jesus was laid. That's the last place that she knows that Jesus was placed. This lady has a heart. She probably didn't sleep all night. We're not told that. But while it's still dark, she's going off to a place. And again, the other, the other gospels say with some other women, they're going, to, uh, they're, going to, they're going to bring more anointing to Jesus. They're going to anoint his body as this is the plan they have. Um, but she's going out early in the morning while it's still dark into a graveyard. Um, and, and remember, Jesus wasn't popular. Uh, the tomb was guarded by Roman soldiers. And, but she's not concerned with all that. All she knows is she's going to go and be next to Jesus to serve Jesus. Now look at that heart in Mary. Her heart is to go and serve Jesus Christ. She thinks she's going to go serve, you know, his dead body in preparing it better and anointing it better. She's going to find that that's not the case. But she has a heart to get up early and go to where Jesus is. Y'all seeing that, Sarah? Do you have a heart every morning? And the answer is, regrettably, we don't. But let us have a heart every morning to get up early in the morning and go where Jesus is. And then let's have a heart to get up at lunch, Nathan, and go where Jesus is. And then let's get up at dinner and go where Jesus is. And then let us get up at, before we go to bed, let's get up and go where Jesus is. Y'all see that? Father, help us. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to just to have a heart like this woman, Lord, that we want to go and be with you. And even, even Mary Magdalene, Lord, help us to have a heart to go and serve you as she has a heart to do here, Lord. Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you for her heart, Lord. We just thank you for her example. 
help us, Lord Jesus. She saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Verse 2. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. The Bible records, the scripture records here in John chapter 20, that the first thing Mary does, the very first thing she does when she gets this revelation, she's clearly led by the Holy Spirit to the tomb. She's led with a heart to serve Jesus. And when she gets there, she sees that the stone has been removed and that Jesus is not there. This is a massive piece of revelation, a massive piece of insight. What does Mary do? What does Mary Magdalene do? Does Mary, you know, does Mary wonder? Does Mary go think about something else? Does Mary say, go watch a Netflix show? The first thing this woman of God does is she runs. It says she went, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples. She goes and finds her brothers in Christ. And the very first thing she does is zealously report to Peter and John the new revelation she has that Jesus Christ, the Lord, is not in the tomb and the stone is not covering the tomb. The principle in that is when the Lord gives you a new revelation in Jesus, Chloe, when the Lord gives you a new revelation in Jesus, do you have a heart like Mary Magdalene? Do you want to go run and tell somebody what Jesus has just shown you, what you just learned about Jesus? There's no greater purpose in our lives than to go and report and testify our new revelation of the Son of God and of the Word of God. Do you have a heart to share that? Now, I'm not just sharing it. I'm not saying go share it from a pulpit. I'm saying for those of us who do teach the Word of God, for those of us who do have podcasts or teach in church or teach Bible study, certainly we do that. But do you have a heart to share the revelation you have on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis with whomever will listen? Do you want to go running to share the revelation and insight you have with Jesus Christ, with anyone who will listen, with your family, with your friends, with your children, with, with strangers. Let's be like Mary. Let's have a heart when the Lord Jesus gives us insights just to go, to go want to share it, to go share it with others. So Mary goes and she shares it with the apostles Peter and John. Now, you'll notice here that John doesn't name himself. He actually says in verse 2 that, so she came to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Uh, it is the apostle John who's writing this gospel, who wrote this gospel. He's somewhere around 80 years old when he wrote it. It's some 60 years after the, the resurrection and ascension of Christ that he's writing this book that's around the timeline. 
And John has a measure of humility here that he won't even name himself. He won't name his accomplishments. In a, in a tremendous example of humility, he will name what Peter did. He's obviously writing down what Mary Magdalene did. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, because we have this incredible example. But when it comes to himself, he doesn't name himself. He doesn't name his accomplishments. He doesn't talk about all that he did. And, and that is a uh, that is a profound example to us as Christians, and particularly as Christian ministers, particularly for us as Christians, Scott, who are active in our faith. This is a profound example to us that we, we ought not to talk about our own accomplishments in our own resume in all that we did. And, uh, and I know that I do that too much. And, and most of us, most of us that are ministers that have, a, uh, that have some type of public audience, we talk too much about, about what we did in our ministry. And we want to repent over that. I, I certainly do. Um, there is a humility here, as I've said, that he doesn't use his own name. And we're going to talk about the name that he used. But today, if, 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 if you have a habit, as, as I confess that I sometimes have, of talking about yourself too much and what, you know, what you've done for Jesus and how you did it. Now, you do need to testify as to what the Lord has done in your life. But we don't always have to magnify how amazing we were. Just say he wasn't. He won't even use his name when he's saying it. Uh, Revelation twelve eleven says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And as I've already said, uh, Mary gets a revel revelation from Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and she immediately goes and testifies to what to the new insight she has that Jesus is not in the tomb, that his body is not there. Uh, she doesn't know that he's been raised from the dead. Uh, she believes someone has taken him away, which no one has taken him away. No one took him away. As we'll see here, Jesus is risen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But John calls himself this name, the disciple that Jesus loved. That's what he renamed himself. So in the humility of not using his own name, he renamed himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he calls himself this undoubtedly because he so incredibly and overwhelmingly experienced the love of Jesus Christ that when he had to think of a new name for himself, Sarah, he thought, I'm going to call myself the disciple that Jesus loved. The, the closer you and I grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, the more intimate we grow in our relationship with Jesus, the more that we will know ourselves. All that will matter to us is that Jesus loves us. You see that, Luke? All that will matter to you, Ireland, is that Jesus loves you. That's all that'll matter, Esther, right? All that'll matter is that you really experience the overwhelming love of Christ. And when you've experienced the overwhelming love of Christ, 
like John does, like Peter does, and as we see here, like Mary, Mary Magdalene did, all you want to do is be with him. All you want to do is spend time with him. All you want to do is please him. Uh, you want to repent where you failed to please him. You just want to be with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You want to get to a point in your life where you have so much forgotten your own name and you've replaced your name with the name, the one that Jesus loved, Cheryl. You want to be the one that Jesus loved, Jet. Casey, you're not Casey. You're the one that Jesus loved. Granger, you're not Granger. You're the one that Jesus loved. And I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the little girls' names. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wherever you are today, the more Christian that you identify with Jesus, the more you know the incredible love of Jesus Christ in your life, the less you will become important, Lauren, the less I'll become important, Wells, right? And the more you will be the one that Jesus loved. Y'all seeing that? Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 3. So Peter and the other disciple, again, you see John doesn't reference his name, started for the tomb. Verse 4, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John tells us, and, and history has Peter as a, a much older man, probably twice as old as John. There's a chance that John is 20 here and Peter's 40. Um, so John gives us this, this incredibly detailed account that they both went running to the tomb. Now, look at the incredible honor and respect that they have from the word of their sister, Mary Magdalene. They could have told her, you know, and there will be reference to this later in the scripture, but they believe her, right? They believe her when she says that the body's not there. They believe her when she says the stone is rolled away. You know, sometimes the Lord is going to bring somebody into your life and they might not be someone that you think is there to teach you. It just might be some little lady somewhere, right? It might be some, you know, some young teenage boy somewhere. Who knows what it is? But oftentimes, the greatest revelations, the greatest insights, some of the most important things you'll ever learn in your life are going to come from people that you would least expect. But you have to be willing to receive that. The more we grow in our Christian faith, the more we can kind of think we got things figured out. The more we think we know what we're doing. You always want to be open to the Lord. What if, what if Peter and John said, you know what? Oh, Mary, you know, if the Lord is going to say that, he's going to tell it to us. And, you know, what if they don't believe her? What if they don't listen to her? What if they're just pride is saying, you know what? You don't need to tell us anything about Jesus because, you know, we're the great apostles. You're just a woman that Jesus drove out seven demons. Then they never go running to the tomb if they're not teachable 
from the source of this woman. And we're going to see later uh, in the next teaching on the one Friday, Lord willing, that this woman, Mary Magdalene, is going to be used for far more than this. She's going to be the first eyewitness of the resurrection. She's going to be the first one that Jesus commissions to go and tell of his resurrection. And she's going to give, Jesus is going to give Mary instructions. Mary is going to be the one carrying the word of God to the disciples. Yeah. Jesus is no respecter of persons, and you and I need to be no respecter of persons. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, where I've been too prideful just to have eyes that see and ears that hear and to be open to the word of God that you have for me where I've been stumbled by whatever the source is. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this incredible account in the word of God. Wow. Wow. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. Again, they get a revelation from Mary, and now they're running to the tomb. Again, do you see this kind of zeal they have about Jesus? We've got to get this back in the body of Christ, y'all. We've got to have a running zeal. We've got to have an excitement for this kind of revelation. When you get a revelation from Jesus, whoever it's from, do you want to go run to it? Do you want to go run and share it? And then when, when you run and share it, do the people that, that you shared it with, do they go running to share it? We want to be excited about what Jesus is doing. We want to be excited about the insights you have and the revelation you get in the Word of God. Pow, pow. Pow. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Verse 5. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. So we, as, as you study the Gospel of John and the book of Acts and the gospel, all the Gospels, you see the Apostle John is, is, is somewhat reserved. The Apostle John is, is, is far more laid back. He's more cautious. He's more thoughtful. And you have a picture of how some of us as Christians in our personality are not as outgoing, not as boisterous, often more humble, often uh, less talkative, um, and often not given to as, as, as many problems and mistakes. The Apostle Peter, on the other hand, is the opposite. He's very boisterous. Um, he's very aggressive. Um, he, 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 there are times where he's consistently telling Jesus, you know, when they're, on, they're on the, uh, when they're on the mountain seeing Jesus and all his godness transfigured, Peter's telling Jesus what should be done. Lord, it's good that we're here. Let me put up three shelters. He's got to be rebuked by God the Father from heaven along with John. You remember God, God the Father puts them in a cloud and says, this is my son with whom I'm pleased. Listen to him, Peter. Stop talking, right? Now we can see these different personalities. Now at the same time, Peter will knock the ball out of the park. For those listening in other countries, I've said this before, that's a baseball reference when you hit a home run. You know, uh, Jesus will say, you know, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. So you see this incredible time where Peter will do these incredible things. And then in that same account, 10 minutes later, uh, Jesus is calling Peter Satan. Because Peter's coming up to Jesus, rebuking him, saying, Lord, you're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. So 
we could see this same impulse here. John gets to the tomb and he cautiously bends down. He has a certain amount of reverence to the fact that this is the tomb of Jesus Christ. So he runs there, he gets there first, he bends down and he kind of cautiously looks in. Look at verse 6. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. You see this picture of both guys running, right? John is, again, half his age. He runs there. He gets there, but he stops. He's cautious. He bends down. He looks in. You see Peter getting there finally. Looking down at John, looking at him saying, bro, I don't even know what you're doing. What are you doing? Just Peter just walks right into the tomb impulsively. Just walks right in. No reverence. He's not worried about nothing. I'm here to see what's going on. Do you see the difference? And, and, and these are both pictures of different types of personalities the Lord uses in the body of Christ. Are you more like a Peter or are you more like a John? I regrettably, oftentimes, of more like a Peter. I mean, I make mistakes all the time. Then Simon Peter was behind him, arrived, and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, verse 7, as well as the burial cloth, look at this, that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. If this story was going to be made up, Father Rick, if this story was going to be made up, if vandals had stolen Jesus' body, as some people said, if somehow you were going to move that whatever that was, thousand-pound rock from the tomb, and you were going to steal Jesus. Do grave robbers fold the clothes of the people that were in there, right? If you were robbing a grave, like when, when criminals rob a house, when thieves rob a house, do they take the time to clean the house? See what I'm saying? Jesus takes the time to make his bed when he gets up, right? And that's a picture to us of how orderly Jesus is. Jesus, why is, why is the linen folded nice and neat? You'd think Jesus just raised from the dead, thrown off the clothes, just left it everywhere ragged. No. It says it's folded, Matthew. Clean. Tight. Yeah. Again. If, if you were going to make this up, you would never say that. If you were going to say that grave robbers came, you would never say that they stopped to fold the clothes. Because it's, it's, it's crazy. But Jesus, when he comes out, right, just as a, as a side note, um, you know, Jesus didn't like, unwrap himself. You see, I don't know what image you have of this, of Jesus raising from the dead, but he would not have kind of like just woke up in the grave clothes. Jesus wasn't like Lazarus. 
You remember when Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus had to tell him to unwrap him. Jesus didn't need to be unwrapped. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it's just pow. He's not in that linen anymore. He wouldn't have liked taking the time. That's not what was happening. He wasn't unwrapping himself when he got up. Okay? When Jesus was raised from the dead, just the moment he was raised, boom, the body's outside and the linens are there. You seeing that? Not only that, Jesus takes the time to orderly make his bed. To orderly just put things in order. He's not in a hurry. He's not running. <laughs> yeah. Jesus cool. Jesus clean. Calm. Collected, Matthew. He saw the strips of linen lying there. And John writes this as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. <laughs> yes. I remember when I was a disciple and a young brother named Jesse. He's a, a wonderful man of God. Him and I studied this passage together yesterday. And uh, we're going to be doing it in Bible study tomorrow uh, together. Uh, him and I are going to lead the Bible study. And, you know, when I had gone, you know, to, you know, this is, I don't know, 12 years ago, his room was never very clean, right? And immediately we talked about the importance of having an orderly and clean and tidy room and that you need to make that bed, bruh, okay? And immediately he started doing it. He, you know, he changed it and he started cleaning up his room and his bed was made and him and I would meet every Wednesday. And he's still close. He's an elder in our ministry. Um, but Jesus is clean. Jesus is orderly. Jesus is tidy. He just didn't wake up, throw the thing off his head, throw the linen off like Superman. <laughs> Jesus cool, collected. You know, again, he raised from the dead. He's not in a hurry. I'm gonna go ahead and, I'm gonna and fold my cloth here. Make that nice and neat. I'm gonna put that right there. Huh. Uh. Verse eight. Finally. I like how John says, finally, and you remember, he doesn't use his own name. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Now, when it says he believed, what it's saying is John, the apostle John, before Peter, believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. Peter yet not, had, had not yet uh, believed it. Mary has not yet believed it. But John now, at this moment, believes that Jesus has been raised from the dead. That revelation, that insight had not come to Peter yet. It had not come to Mary. But it had come to John. And he writes it. That when he saw this, he had the faith and he believed that nobody stole him. That my God, King, is risen. Yeah. Three most important words in your Bible. He is risen. Buddha's still in the grave, y'all. Muhammad's still in the grave. Confucius still in the grave. Jesus is risen. We have a risen Christ. Yeah. And then verse 9. Verse 9. 
We can say so much here. Verse 9, they still, they still, everybody say they still, they still did not understand from the scripture. They still did not understand from the scripture. Anything you, you and I still don't understand is because we don't understand from the scripture. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. <laughs> yeah. They still did not understand from the scripture. Scott, the reason you don't understand, the reason I don't understand, is because we don't spend enough time in our Bible. Anything of any relevance, anything of eternal value that you do not understand is because you don't understand from the scripture. It's because you haven't given enough time to the scripture, May. If you had spent more time in your Bible, then you would have understood from the scripture that Jesus Christ had to be raised from the dead. They had their Bible. They had the whole 39 books of the Old Testament that said that that there would be a Messiah and he wouldn't be dead. If they had spent more time in their Bible, they would not have to have gone through the agony of the unbelief. They wouldn't have had to go through the agony that that, you know, Jesus of Nazareth was this great man and he was a prophet of the Lord and he died, but we thought that he was going to be the Savior. No, he is. They still did not understand from the scripture. Every problem we have in our life, seriously, can be related to the fact that we still don't understand from the scripture. This Bible is a holy Bible. It's the living word of God, Pop. Rap. They still didn't understand from the scripture. What you need in your life more than anything else after you have the Son of God is the Word of God, the scriptures, the living Word of God Almighty. How much time do you spend in your Bible? How much time do you spend in the scriptures, reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures? Thinking about the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, teaching the scriptures, thinking about the scriptures. The scriptures are the living word of God. Jesus in Matthew 4, 4, Chris said that man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You don't just live on physical food. The scriptures are spiritual food. And wherever you lack understanding of anything that has eternal value, anything, It's because you still don't understand from the scriptures. And I still don't understand from the scriptures. If they had understood the scriptures, if they had given themselves to the scriptures, they wouldn't even been worried when he died because they'd have known. He told them over and over and over that he was going to rise from the dead. They didn't even know what that meant, even though the words were plain. If they had spent more time in their Bible, if you and I would spend more time in the scriptures, diligently, sincerely, meaningfully, authentically giving ourselves to the scriptures that we might be fed in the scriptures, Lauren, right? We will have understanding that we never thought we could. 
Where are you today? How many aspects of our life, my life, your life, do you still not understand because you don't know the scriptures? You don't know the, what the word of God says. There's no better pursuit in this life after you've given yourself to the Son of God than to give yourself to the Word of God. Studying it, meditating on it, memorizing it, and above all, obeying it. Obeying the Scriptures. The more you obey the Scriptures, the more you'll understand the Scriptures. The less you obey the Scriptures, the less you'll understand the Scriptures. I'm going to give you a secret. You ready? This is going to be worth the price of admission. You can only understand the scriptures to the depth that you obey the scriptures. The more you obey Jesus, the more intimately you'll know Jesus. The more intimately you'll walk with him. After you've received Jesus as your Lord, after you've called on him and asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin and bring you to heaven when you die, after you've become a real Christian, nothing you do helps you to become a Christian. Nothing you do helps you come in relationship with Jesus. But after you do that, after you've trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, it's giving your time to the scriptures and obeying the scriptures that's going to cause you to grow in your relationship and intimacy with Jesus Christ. And when you fail and when I fail, we repent. We ought to all have a lifestyle of repentance. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. Those aren't of Jesus. But when you see you missed it, when you, the Lord shows you, you know what, Lord, I haven't been spending time in the scriptures, and I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I want to know you better. I want to love you more, Jesus. I want to know. I want to know that I'm the disciple. I want to really experience that I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, we're going to wrap up. It's going to be exciting because next. Uh, on Friday, Lord willing, Good Friday, we're going to finish this up. We're going to do verses 10 through, through 18. Again, we're going to just look at, uh, we're just going to look at this incredible, incredible example of what, uh, it is a woman of God, but whether you're a man or a woman of God, you need to be looking at Mary and following her example. Because what we're going to see last time in my, my little big sister, Cheryl, you know, she's an incredibly mature woman of God. Um, she's younger than me, but she's like a big sister, right? I have several of these sisters, by the way, where they're more mature than I am in several ways, um, because I can still be like a kid. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk about, in verse 10, it's going to say the disciples go back to their homes. And in those first, those first two words of verse 11, y'all, but Mary. Mary Magdalene don't go back to her home. And I was asking uh, Cheryl today, you know, why didn't Mary go home? And Cheryl said, because Mary's not trying to fix nothing. Cheryl said, Mary just wants, all she knows is that's the last place she saw Jesus. And she's not leaving until she finds Jesus again. All she knows is that I came here to see Jesus, to serve Jesus, to anoint his body. He's not here. I'm not going home. Verse 10 says the disciples, the great apostles, the huge men of God, they're there. They looked in. He ain't here. Let's go. They left. Now, Mary, how many times have we left too soon 
How much revelation, how much insight, how much relationship have we left on the table? Because we went home. I'm done now. I got to get back to Netflix. I got I to gotta get back to, I don't know, looking at my Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok. Sometimes if you spend just a little more time with Jesus, you never might know how he might show up. And because our girl Mary is, we're going to see next time. Because she, she doesn't go home. She's not like the men going home, as my, big, my sister Cheryl said, trying to get this figured out. She's just going to stay right there until she finds Jesus. And because of that, Jesus is going to appear to this incredible, incredible woman of God. Let's go now, okay? And let's be zealous to share the revelation we have with Jesus. Let's get up early in the morning and go looking for Jesus. Go looking to spend time with Jesus. And yes, go looking to serve Jesus as Mary did, right? Let's get excited about our relationship with Jesus that you want to know his love so much that you're renamed. You rename yourself. You even don't even know your name. All you know is that you're the one that Jesus loved. Let's be orderly as our Lord Jesus is. Let's be, let's be clean and tight and focused in our faith and in our walk with Jesus. Let's fold up that linen cloth instead of just leaving it crazy anywhere, right? Let's have a zeal when we learn revelation like, like Mary Magdalene and go running to tell somebody when you learn something about Jesus, right? And above all, if you know the Son of God, Jesus Christ, today, give yourself to the Scriptures. Every bit of understanding you'll ever need is found in your Bible. Your Bible's a holy Bible. Give yourself to the living Word of God today. If you, you have to have the Son of God first. If you don't have Jesus, the Bible won't mean anything to you. If you don't have Jesus, ask Him now to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. And save you from your sin. But if you're a Christian today, give yourself to the scriptures. Spend time in the scriptures. And if you'll do that, you will understand. You will have revelation. You will have insight. And maybe you'll spend a little bit more time and you'll get some incredible revelations of Jesus Christ, like our big sister Mary Magdalene did. Lord Jesus, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord, the risen Christ, our Savior, our Master, our King, and our God. Father, we thank you for this Word of God. We thank you for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, Lord. Father, we thank you for this Easter week. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us now, to lead us and guide us and comfort us and teach us more and more about Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and Master and King. Father, we love you and we bless you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.